Over the summer, the uh, series of sermons will concern the values of Green Tree Church. These were set by the leaders, the elders, some 12 years ago under the excellent leadership of our brother John Dozier and a house, Green Tree House, was developed and I'll be showing it later on in the sermon. And each Sunday a pastor or an elder will take one of those values and will explore it and connect us again with our values and see how they are actually a definition of who Green Tree Church is at heart. So this morning's just a general introduction concerning values, and uh, I know that God is going to stir your heart as He did mine, uh, because these tend to be half-mast flags that we fly, and sometimes empty flag posts that we say there's a value on it, but there's no value attached to it. So hear the Word of God as we read from Matthew chapter 6 and verses 19 to 21. And I set myself under these scriptures. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy... Your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. May God bless our meditation in his word. I invite you into three different scenarios. You're in an intense meeting, maybe with a friend or a group of people, and your cell phone rings. What do you do? Do you answer it, or do you look at it, or do you ignore it? An advertisement catches your attention, something you really want. And as you see the advertisement play out, your lust for this thing grows. And you know you really can't afford it. That man, I would love that nail gun. (laughs) Or here's the third one. It's a special day for someone you do love, but... You've got a plans for a special Sunday, uh, but drat, you've also volunteered for VBS. What decision do you make? Now, in all three of those scenarios, your values will determine your decision. 
If the cell phone rings and you glance at it and it's somebody that you value more than the people in the room or you value your connectedness, you know what that's like? There's some people who just cannot possibly live without their cell phone for a single second and that they sleep with it on next to the bed and they're answering it every second and they even talk to their friends across the table by texting. (laughs) Well, that's a value. And it's sucking your life in to live out the value. And when it comes to buying, well, we know that the advertising world is very powerful. And what every advert is actually aiming at is to change your value. To value this thing so much that you'll commit to it. And then once you've committed, the only thing left is the financing. (laughs) And for that, they will offer you 0% financing for seven years or 1.9 or cash back or some reward. But you've committed and you say, you see, I can afford it. There's cash back. What they didn't tell you is that there was cash added before the cash back. (laughs) And on that volunteer day, when something comes up more important than the volunteering, if your commitment your, is not to the value of the thing you volunteered for, you will say, oh, well, you know, I can explain it away. I don't need to do it. And you follow the value. So one way of defining a person is to ask How do they make their decisions? It'll be in line with their treasures of values. And in a sense, we may say that every value is like a flag on the plaza of your life. If you could step back and see your life from a perspective, say, of spiritual and other values, you would have any number of flags flying on the plaza of your life. So let's pay attention then to the Lord's teaching because this is a really important, I can't stress enough how important this whole subject of values is because you are your values. Our treasures or values then are as symbolic as the flags we raise. When I became a citizen of the USA in 1994, I was in a room with 5,000 other people in the LA Convention Center and the judge ultimately at the end of a 30 minutes legal court action declared you are now citizens of the USA. And they'd handed each of us a little flag just a little six by nine. And the emotion that swept across the room is the most intense I have ever felt as people raised their hands and waved the flag. And people began to cry. And they began to cheer. And total strangers came and hugged me. You see, they were free. We came as refugees and finally the land of liberty had accepted us. 
And the value that led to that ceremony is this one, which is on the Statue of Liberty written by Emma Lazarus. Give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, the wretched refuse of your teeming shore. Send these, the homeless, tempest-tossed. I lift my lamp beside the golden door. And unless there's a Native American among us, every one of us have benefited from this value emblazoned on the the pedestal of the Statue of Liberty. And so there's this deep emotion that attaches to value when it plays out. And then, of course, the flag is defended to the last man. And those of you who have been in the trenches in some war or another is that you never allow the flag to be captured. You rather die. And when it is captured, those capturing it go in triumph and say, we've got the prize of the day and your fame is emblazoned abroad and your courage is celebrated. Old glory then symbolizes America. Her history is in the stripes and her future and current situation is in the stars. Our lives, the essence of who we really are, are like these flags, defended, promoted, celebrated, defining where we came from and telling us where we are going. We really are the mix of the values we hold. Whenever someone burns the flag, it arouses deep, deep and intense emotion within us. And we find that as insulting or more insulting than anything that has ever been said to us. Now, how do we identify our values? Well... One way is to sort of do an audit of your life and ask, well, what am I really passionate about? But then you've got to go further and say, concerning this passion, do I really invest in it? Do I give time to it? Do I give energy to it? And do I give money to it? Those would be the three things you would have to order to assess your values. And immediately you will understand that there are some values that you've put on a flag post, but they're not really values because you invest nothing in them. They're just empty lip service. Now these pictures of the raising of the flag on Iwo Jima are symbolic of it all. For there you see in those soldiers the struggle, the fight. You know what they've done to get there. The beaches and the, the bloodshed and the friends that they've lost in death. And the glory of the significance of those deaths and the celebration of victory are all captured. That may be to me the very heart and soul of America. And it's Terrific, isn't it? These treasures then, we collect them. And we take care of them. And we see to the security of our treasures. 
We are proud of them and we display them with fanfare. Now notice what Jesus says and he does something very remarkable when he says you are to lay up treasures in heaven and not on earth. These things, he says, are not peripheral. They are right at the heart. And he uses a very interesting construction in the scripture. Uh, lay up, the first verb in the sentence, is the word thosoritso in the, in the Greek. And you will see that the laying up is the same root word as the noun. Do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth, and the word treasure is none other than our English word thesaurus. And in a sense he is saying, as one commentator said, treasure your treasures. And uh, the thesaurus is, of course, the laying up of words in order to treasure them or savor them. We are therefore not just to choose our treasures, but we are to treasure the treasures we choose. And there's a big difference between the two, as we've said, with the empty flag post or the flag at half-mast on the flag post. Now, how do you treasure your treasures? Well, you maintain them. Uh, You boast about them. You give time to them. They take energy. You budget for them. The way you're willing to pay for them. Uh, Just as an example, we bought a little house in Kirkwood. It's 1,100 square feet, and we just love that house. And so we, we treasure it. And the result is that we are always doing things to it. I've spent far more on that house than I'm ever going to get back, especially in light of the economic collapse. But it doesn't bother me one whit because I'm getting such joy out of the house. And I'm doing all sorts of things all the time. When I walk into one of your homes, I'm looking around and I'm saying, what do I like about this place? Oh, yes, look, there's dust as well. (laughs) (laughs) and if I see something in your home that I like I go home and I look at my home I think could I do that here no no it wouldn't work there no and then I've got to say darn that that's not going to work anyway since my new hip I've built a fire pit because the elders met around the fire pit a few times in the last months. And so I've built a retaining wall and backfilled it and brought in gravel and pavers. And, and yeah, I've got this glorious thing. You see, it's all investment. Time and money and passion and energy. I've given all of that because I treasure the home. And so Jesus is saying it's not just good enough to say that I have a treasure, but you must treasure your treasures. And in fact, you do treasure the things that really are your treasures. And now comes the kicker. Are they treasures on earth or are they treasures in heaven? It's the kicker because treasures on earth are being eaten by vermin, 
One family in our church had their children's home in the east infested by bed bugs. They are stolen, sometimes by Wall Street itself and by bankers themselves, certainly in many other ways. And they rust. And guess what? When you're lying face up in your coffin one day, not one of them will make a single iota of difference to you. And if that's all you're investing in, man, have I got wonderful news for you around this communion table. So Jesus says, rather invest in the things in heaven. And he says this, all in line with what I've been saying, that where the heart, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So your heart follows your treasure. And we come to the biblical definition of the heart, and it denotes the center of all physical and spiritual life. Uh, Firstly, the vigor and sense of your physical life. Where's your heart, we say to our children when they're slacking at school. But then more importantly, it's the center and seat of the spiritual life. And so it's used to describe the soul and the mind as it is the fountain and seat of the thoughts and passions, desires, appetites, affections, purposes, and endeavors. It is the seat of the understanding, the faculty, and the very place from which your intelligence comes. It is used of the will and of the character and of the soul, so far as it is affected and stirred in a bad way or a good way, or of the soul as the seat of the sensibilities, affections, emotions, desires, appetites, and passions. It's the real you. Strip away everything else. Strip away beauty, wealth, power, position, whatever you like. Take it all away and what is left? Your heart. And Jesus says, your heart will be where your treasure is. So the two are in a dynamic interplay with one another To some extent, your heart decides your values and then your values start dragging your heart along. So if you value pleasure, you will spend your budget on pleasurable things and your heart will develop into a hedonist. If you value power and set that up in your heart, your heart will start influencing your life so that you become a power broker. And that you care more for power and position than for people or anything else. And you will then tread upon them. And your values are especially dangerous when you've never thought them through. If you were to go and see a coach tomorrow. Or if you got your business to be coached. The first thing I can guarantee you, or one of the first things that will be addressed, is the issue of your core values. 
As a business, what do you value? And are you implementing those values? Are you improving them? Are you energizing them? And as a person, the very same process, do you have values? Well, yes, we all have values. And if you don't know what they are, guess what? You're a victim of them. Then, instead of that nice plaza full of flags snapping in the wind, your heart might look like this. Just a bunch of old dish rags. They were very colorful once in their day, but now they're hanging on the wash line and there's no form or definition. Quite valueless. Nothing significant about a life without values. And what a waste of such wonderful potential. Well then, if we are to treasure the treasures of heaven, what are they? And I've asked around about this. See, I've been preparing this sermon probably for the last nine weeks now. And so from time to time I say to friends, to groups, to people, what are the spiritual values Jesus says we should treasure? And everybody comes up with, um, gee, read the Bible. Um, Pray. And yes, those certainly are things to treasure and value. I thought of uh, the Apostle Paul saying there's three things that abide. Faith, hope, and love. So let me invest in my faith, which would be the Bible reading and prayer and communion section. Hope. How do I get my hope fired up and stoked by the Holy Spirit so that I'm living out the hope of Jesus for my life? And love. Oh my, how I want to love. And in all of those, I guess the flag sometimes comes down to half-mast and sometimes I hoist it high and sometimes it's filled with the Holy Spirit and it's snapping in His breeze and sometimes it's hanging limp. How do you treasure your treasures? Well, in a sense, we all have to fight our own Iwo Jima. You see, to treasure your treasures means you've got to fight. You've got to make time. You've got to say, I will trade off a worldly treasure for a heavenly treasure and I will take investment from this one and I will add it to this one. I'll illustrate that. One day a gushing teenager went up to a a world famous conference speaker that he'd heard speak and said, I'd give the world to know the scriptures the way you do and understand them the way and explain them the way you do. And the conference speaker looked at him with amusement and said, I did give the world. You see, there's a trade-off. If you're not giving time, you're giving the time to whatever you've said is your treasure. So here's how you go about it. The first thing you should do is identify your values 
What is it that you've got flying? Now, this you're not going to be able to do just sitting here. You'll get a vague idea. So I'm suggesting that this sermon is actually going to follow you through the week and you're going to sit down and make an hour at least to say, I need to identify what my values really are. So if you don't feel like homework, that too is a value. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) analyze where you spend your time when you've done all the essentials and you've got time left over where does that time get invested that'll tell you what your value is where do you spend your money when you've done all the paying of all the bills and you've got some left over I hope so where do you spend it That'll tell you something about your values. Your energy, where do you invest energy? A lot of people, it's the couch. (laughs) Come on, you're supposed to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And so I do this check, and now I've got to do this. I've got to treasure my treasures. So any of them that are unworthy of Christ, I should take the flag down and burn it. And that may be a process because we're creatures of habit. So maybe that flag will be flapping as strongly as ever in a week's time and you've got to unfurl it again and put it in the trash again and you've got to find a new value to take its place. So identify what are the ones you really want in your life. When they come to chisel something on your tombstone one day, what is it that you'd like You know what they chiseled on King Saul of the Old Testament's tombstone? He played the fool. I don't want that on my tombstone. I like fooling around, but I don't want it to be the core value of my life. What is it that you want? Choose the ones. Pray. Read the scriptures. Talk to people. Do it as a group. Do it with a friend. You see, values are, a cock- are the product of a cocktail of culture, genetics, emotion, memory, reading, personality, psychology. And they all put together in the pulsing blender of life. But you want to be in charge, not a victim. And do it most of all in step with the Holy Spirit. And be aware that when you leave them untended or without deliberate action, the plaza of your life will look like a string of wash lines with old dirty rags hanging on them. Second thing you do is you focus. You identify them and now you focus on them. You start planning How are you going to do this? Where will I find the energy to do the things that I say are my values? How does this affect my budget? And you make hard decisions about the spending of your money in terms of the values. And you ask, how do I make time for this? And so you fight the good fight with all your might as you set it 
set your values. And thirdly, you just practice. You go on doing it and doing it until it becomes who you really are. It's like riding that bicycle. The first time you fell off and grazed a knee, you didn't give up. You got up and wobbled a bit more and got used to it, and then you could ride with confidence, and now you can probably ride by standing on the saddle. That's how it's been in my life with some treasures. I wish it was with all, but that's what happens. So theologically speaking, this whole matter of treasuring your treasures falls under the general doctrine of sanctification. This is the way you are growing in your sanctity to God, growing in your faith, becoming more mature. It is through this process. And just quickly, here is the Green Tree Church uh, house. It tells you everything you want to know about it. tells you what our foundation is in the Trinity. The Word of God is essential to us. There's our purpose and our vision, which you see every Sunday on the slides. Here are the core values that the elders will teach through. It's holding up the house. There are our priorities, and the core values are how we achieve our vision. Here's a simplified slide of it, just so that you can see it a little bit, uh, just the values on their own. And you notice John Dozier said that we are, uh, that leadership's task is creating, instilling, and integrating core values. That is your task as well, if you're going to build a house. Essential. So look for that through the summer. If you're going to be away, you may want to get the, uh, the CDs or listen on the iPod, iPodcast. Now, here's the thing in closing, that Iwo Jima sort of captures a fraction of the idea of sanctification. It makes it sound as if sanctification is a grim and a bloody warfare. And there are those elements to it. But we must always step out of the isolation of the individual doctrines and step back into the absolute sovereignty of God. Let's have the next slide. Step back into the full orb of all the doctrines of grace. You see, we're on a treasure hunt and uh, we want to have the whole spectrum of the rainbow impacting our lives on this treasure hunt. And in that, the sovereign God is the one who exercises His sovereignty in your value system with infinite grace and with infinite gifting. It will never end. And when we understand that, then God is sovereign and He gives us ultimately His Son, And in Him, we have all things. So you follow the rainbow, and at the end is the pot, and you follow the clues as in a treasure hunt. You make prayer priority, and we'll be doing prayer. In fact, I'll do that one myself in August. We pursue relationship, and uh, we're aware the little bit of doggerel that says, uh, to live with saints above Oh, that will be glory. But to live with saints below, well, that's another story. (laughs) 
faith. We pursue it and love and hope. And then we treasure what Jesus says. So we take all the things in the Sermon on the Mount with the utmost importance and we read the Sermon on the Mount and see what he says about acts of mercy and raise those as values in our lives. Caring for the poor and visiting the sick and being aware of those in prison and all the other things in the Sermon on the Mount. We actually do them. And so we come to the conclusion and I tell you the story of Fanny Crosby. You see, the, we, we, we reach the end of the rainbow with all these means and reach into our backpack for the little trench shovel and we assemble it and we start digging for the pot of gold. And then we look up and there is God with a smiling face saying, Welcome. For the treasure ultimately is God himself. Fanny Crosby was a blind hymn writer. She was blinded at the age of six weeks by medical malpractice. But she went on to graduate and teach at the New York Institute for the Blind and is a hymn writer of some renown. This blind, blind woman found the pot of gold And here's what she wrote. A wonderful Savior is Jesus my Lord. A wonderful Savior to me. And then from Moses, and he's asking to see God. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock where rivers of pleasure I see. He hideth my soul in the cleft of the rock that shadows Oh, such a dry, thirsty land. He hideth my life in the depths of his love and covers me there with his hand. Yes, he covers me there with his hand. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, my Lord. He taketh my burden away. Blindness, one among them. He holdeth me up and I shall not be moved. He giveth me strength as my day. With numberless blessings each moment he crowns and filled with his fullness divine, I sing in my rapture, oh, glory to God for such a redeemer as mine. When clothed in his brightness transported I rise to meet him in clouds of the sky, his perfect salvation, his wonderful love, I'll shout with the millions on high. Fanny Crosby, as a professor at that institute, once had a visitor and her secretary went up to the door to say, your appointment has arrived. And he heard speaking inside the room and she, he knew there's nobody in there, so I wonder what's going on. So he went closer to try and figure out what was happening and he heard her praying. And this is what she was saying. Oh Lord, she said. How I pity those poor sighted people. If only they could see what I am seeing now. That is what I hold out to you. As a treasure worth selling everything for. The pearl of great value. The field that is worth buying. Let us pray together.